Hello and welcome to the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Please remember that we have other resources and information, including our Spanish ministry, at our website at thelatterrain.org. If you wish to hear other English audio messages that are available for free, either at our website or as podcasts or iTunes, just look for us in the Apple iTunes Store under Podcasts as The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. People sometimes have a difficult time understanding what they should really be doing while they're here on earth. Our purpose may not seem very clear at times, but our daily walk with Christ should be a very practical one, where we may not necessarily need to wonder very much if we just walk closely to the Lord by spending time with Him, learning His Word and praying, and paying attention to our surroundings. Today we'll see together just a few of the many things we should be paying attention to, and actually doing on a regular basis. It's not too difficult to follow the Lord. The Bible actually teaches us that we need to be like children, humble and willing to believe and learn, and that everything will be fine if that's what our disposition to Him is like. Please stay with us for a few minutes as we look into God's Word together. Let's take a moment to go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll get started. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, hallowed and glorified and exalted be your name. For yours is the kingdom and the glory and the power and the praise forever and ever, O Lord. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you please forgive my sins and my wrongs, O Lord. And I pray as always, O Lord, that you please may just guide us through your word, through your Holy Spirit, that you help us to understand clearly what you, it is we need to learn, what is it we need to understand. And help us, O Lord, to apply it, Lord God, in our lives. Help us to be able to live out your word, your purposes. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to be reading today from Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 to 10. This is the word of the Lord. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load, but him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Galatians is an interesting letter with a lot of insight as to Christian doctrine, teaching us what we should be careful with and what we should be doing. Paul wrote his letter to local groups that were usually started by him, trying to address some of the issues they were having as a group or for encouragement or just providing spiritual direction. Galatians is one of those letters where some key issues were being addressed, like some Christians forgetting that certain practices of faith in God were not necessary anymore because of Christ's sacrifice and trying to make sure that people understood that following Christ is not a list of do's and don'ts, but rather a grace and faith-based relationship experience with the Lord. Quite frankly, God has never wanted a checklist, if you will, for our faith. 
He has always desired a personal relationship and that as a result of that relationship for things to occur based on that. It's probably a good idea to help understand this concept first before getting into the actual passage. As we have shared many times, faith in Christ is based on very fundamental concepts. The way that the relationship starts, for instance, is by repenting and converting from all of our sins and accepting Jesus as the Lord of our life. That's where it all starts. And as an ongoing basis for that love relationship, we need to learn how to love the Lord above all things and love our neighbor. This is the whole thing in a nutshell. Not very complicated, right? The only part that for some reason becomes complicated in all of this is understanding what loving God and loving our neighbor looks like where many people turn something that should be straightforward and uncomplicated into something complex. Our sinfulness has a tendency to complicate what should be quite simple. Now, regarding the love relationship, our relationship with God should be just that. Think about it this way. The most intimate relationship any person could get into is marriage, and we are talking about biblical marriage, not the thing our society has turned marriage or relationships into today. Quite frankly, I don't know what we have today, but it is clearly not what God created or intended. Nonetheless, let's try to get the concept. When two people that are in love come together, they don't start doing things out of custom or demand, at least they shouldn't. They start spending time together because they enjoy each other's company. And as they get closer and closer, they want to spend more time together. And every time you're not together, you should miss being with each other. There is a desire for that constant contact, the conversations, the sharing of ideas, just simply doing life together. The same exact thing should be our relationship with the Lord. We should not do things out of compulsion or because we have to, but rather because we want to. And similar to a human relationship, certain things start happening as a result of the relationship that started. Like, for instance, something as simple as faithfulness and loyalty. The intimate things you share with someone should only be between two people. There should not be a third person involved in any kind of intimacy, something we refer to as cheating or adultery. Is it because it's against the rules? It is, but that should not be necessarily the reason for why not to do it. But rather, it is something that will ultimately break a relationship because having an intimate relationship should only be between two people. That's the way things were made to work. In a similar fashion, when we are in love with another person, we should do things for them, not because we have to, but because we want to. At least that is the way it should work. We should naturally feel that it is necessary and compelled in some way to want to do certain things, to focus our attention on that person. That's why a healthy love relationship should be a give and give type of relationship from both sides, not a give and take. It's about two people giving to each other. That's why selfishness destroys relationships. When there's only one side giving all of the time and no receiving, that's where problems start happening. A relationship will never work if there is some taking advantage of or taking for granted something else. In essence, and this is what Paul is trying to explain in different parts of Galatians, that we should not turn our love relationship with the Lord into rules that don't even apply anymore because God and through Christ has opened the way to the Father through his death and resurrection for anyone to be able to come to the throne of grace and mercy for eternal salvation. What should happen is that the experiencing and understanding of God's love and salvation should produce something that should come out of us in response to that. 
not to take it for granted or something we are owed because God does not owe us anything. That is the whole concept behind salvation through grace, that it is an unmerited gift. And naturally, receiving that gift should generate something in return, a feeling, a desire, a similar response, especially our understanding of our sinful position. At minimum, something called gratefulness should be generated. Having provided that background, we can then go into today's sharing. We'll do things a little more expository this time around, going verse by verse, because there's quite a bit to look at in each verse and how they tie together with this love relationship concept with the Lord, the reason for why we should want to do things. And so, let's get started with verse 1, where it says again, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. What does this mean? It means quite a few things. The first thing is that there is the implication of love and care for each other. The whole reason why we should be concerned with the wrong that others are doing is for their spiritual welfare, not necessarily because we're trying to get into everybody's personal business. They may have done something wrong, and of course, wrong and right should be seen through what the scriptures teach us, not through our own opinions to someone or just simply did something that is not good for themselves. We are encouraged to treat them in such a way considering that we may get caught doing the same wrong or something else. No one is perfect and we should treat each other with the same love and patience. No one has the authority or the moral standing to treat others harshly, especially considering that you may be confronted with a similar situation in the future. And so, we need to help each other walk in Christ, but with love, having only good intentions and in a way that it doesn't hurt others. We can and should be honest and sincere with each other, but not hurtful. Now, the only way that can happen is by walking in the Spirit, because love and gentleness are a part of the fruit of the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit is the only way we can avert acting carnally, which could be destructive to others. If we are driven by the flesh, we won't be able to understand what is going on for starters and we won't know how to deal with things appropriately. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 to 17 and 22 to 25 tells us this. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now let's go to verse 2 where it says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This should be straightforward, that we need to help each other with each other's burdens. There is no room for selfishness in the kingdom of God, which is running quite rampant today. There is a lot of apathy. Most people today are only watching out for themselves, especially many so-called believers in Christ. There are too many people with the, I have enough of my problems to deal with kind of attitude. Or quite simply, they do not even consider other people. We should be helping each other, and in different ways we are capable of helping. 
We all have strengths and weaknesses. We all have issues and we will always have issues, but we are all in this together. The Bible teaches us in Romans chapter 12, the following, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. It appears that for the most part, most people like the rejoicing part about having a good time together, but they don't share in too much on the weeping part, if you will. If there are sick people around you, do you pray for them? Do you call them and try to encourage them or ask how you can help? Even though God hears our prayers wherever we are, it does mean a lot when you actually pray together for someone, but by being present with them. The Bible does say that where there are two or more united in his name, that he is there. Many people say, I'll be praying for you, but do they really do it? And weeping can involve many things. It can involve someone being sick, someone losing a loved one, someone going through a crisis, a certain difficult challenge in their life. When people lose loved ones, they hurt for a while, not for like a day, so that constant follow-up really means something. I remember when my father went to be with the Lord not too long ago, it helped getting those couple of calls every now and then, although there were few. And some people would just ask, are you doing okay? The only way we can keep others in mind is when we are humble, when we stay grounded, considering ourselves and how would we be for us when we were going through a tough time or at least trying to imagine what it's like for them. We should always keep in mind the golden rule to treat others the way we want to be treated. Now moving along, let's go to verse three where it says, for if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. It doesn't literally mean that we are nothing because God cares and loves us all. But what we are being told here is that in the grand scheme of things, we are very small and limited. Money and power are an illusion. No matter how mighty and powerful a person might think they are, they are just a person. We all get hurt the same way. We all bleed the same way. We are all fragile and we can lose our physical life just the same as the next person in an instant. So this thought should keep us grounded, especially when we compare ourselves to God. We are truly like nothing before the Almighty. When you think about God, He is everything. He is eternal. He made all things. We are not everything. The universe does not revolve around us. We don't keep the universe and everything in it running. We only last for a few years in comparison to the expanse of eternity. We can't really create anything. We can only manipulate what exists. That's it. And this same thought should keep us grounded when we consider each other. And be careful. The people that others may consider worthless or less important may be more valuable to the Lord. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5 to 6 tells us this. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. And so, we should be humble before the Lord and with each other, especially if we want for God to act in our favor. So let's slide down to verse 4 where it says, But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. 
Here is this concept of work and that we need to examine what we're doing, whether it is good or bad or right or wrong. Faith needs to have a product. We need to produce something that stems from the faith we profess to have. Faith in Christ is not about living for yourself and just having salvation. It's about having and fulfilling a purpose that involves doing something. It involves action. And so we need to have good works. What are these good works? James chapter 2 verse 14 to 26 says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is death, so faith without works is dead also. So it is fairly easy to understand that faith in Christ should produce good works. We need to yield a product, and of course, a good product. And so, we all have a purpose. And as part of that purpose, our lives should be a testament of our faith in Christ. And that's why it is so important to understand what we're doing and why we're doing what we're doing. Because everything we do matters. It matters to God, it matters to others, and it should matter to us because we will give an account for everything that we do or don't do. God is watching, my friends. Now let's look at verse 5, where it says, For each one shall bear his own load. What could this mean? If we look at a couple of other places in the Bible, we can get our answer. Matthew chapter 11 mentions that Jesus said this, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is his light. And so the Lord wants to take our burdens, but in return, he wants for us to carry a little something, especially as it compared to what we have or had. When we carry the full consequences for our sins, that is a very heavy burden. Included in the sin burden is, of course, being eternally separated from the Lord if we were to die in that condition, which is unforgiven. And on top of the eternal penalty for sin, Sin within itself has the burden of guilt, of fear, pain, remorse, regret, and so on. But when our sins are forgiven through Jesus Christ by repenting and converting from them, that sin burden is lifted, both the eternal as well as the process that the Holy Spirit carries out in every believer that obeys by taking away the guilt, 
the fear, the pain, and everything associated with that past life of sin. Old things are left behind and all things are made new. But we need to obey in that we need to stop doing what we used to do. The Bible also teaches us that we need to right the wrong wherever possible, which is a part of true repentance, trying to repair the damage we cause to others as part of our sinning. And the yoke is just following him daily. These are not easy things to do, but they become easier when we follow Christ, when we let the Holy Spirit work in us, when we follow what he tells us to do. And we endure other things when our love for Christ grows, because our love for Christ begins to outweigh anything else that tries to compete against that. Jesus also told us this in Luke chapter 9, verse 23 to 26, where it says, Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit it is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whosoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. And so, that's the burden. But is it really a burden when we compare what we will gain through Christ to what we may lose along the way, the temporary stuff? Let's think about it. What is your soul worth to you? Your car? Your clothes? Your house? Your job? Your career? Those people that really don't care about you, whether you live or die? We need to think that eternity is a very long time and how we will spend that time. So if you use an appropriate scale, I think eternity with the Lord should outweigh anything and everyone else. The balance should completely topple over to the Lord's favor when you really think logically and rationally. Your reasoning can be your best friend if you use it appropriately. Math can be quite helpful as well. 70 years to a thousand years, let's just say. Which is more? How about 10,000 years? People might say, I only care about the here and now, and I want to do what I want to do before I go. Okay, when your time is up, where are you going? And what is going to happen at that where when you go? And are you certain about where it is that you're going and why? It's a very small verse, but it is quite a lot of depth if we really think about it. The concept of burden in Christ is truly minor if you use the right metrics, if you will, as compared to the grand scheme of things. Now, let's see verse 6. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. The Bible teaches that there are people with the ministry to share and teach with others. And that, of course, happens when a believer starts to mature in Christ by spending time with the Lord, reading and studying the scriptures, and through the experiencing of God's word in their lives. A person should not teach or share the word with others until they have had some experience living the word out in their lives. Now, it is not as complicated as it sounds. A seminary degree or going to Bible college is not required before the eyes of the Lord to share his word. For instance, the Bible encourages us to share our faith with others. If we are in Christ, it should be easy because our own life story with Christ is what we could share with people. How Jesus changed our lives when he came into our hearts. That is a very simple sharing because you are sharing something that is your experience with other people. 
And that is why it's so critical for every believer to learn the word of God so they can learn and apply his word in every aspect of their lives. And as they gain experience, then they're able to help others that are newer in the faith to grow as well. It should be something very cyclical, quite honestly. And so we do need to learn the word of God and we need many times someone to explain things to us like we are doing here right now. But we need to be careful with who we are learning from. James chapter 3 verse 13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. In this passage, we see that a person's conduct is important to observe. Now, this doesn't mean that a person is going to be perfect because no one is perfect. But however, we need to observe if the person that we're listening to actually practices what the Bible teaches. Can we tell if they truly love the Lord or not? Are they loving their neighbor? Can we see the fruit of the Spirit in them? Are they really living out the Word of God? According to what we read in the Bible, the Pharisees' problem was that they instructed people but didn't do anything of what they taught. They taught people to love the Lord, but yet... They plotted and had killed the Son of God, the very Messiah the Scriptures declared that would come to save the world. How is that for hypocrisy? They would worry about tithing herbs, for instance, meaning that people had to bring literally a tenth of the herbs they had, but yet they would allow for business to be conducted at the temple of God rather than respecting the temple for the place it should have been, a place for prayer. People today use God's things for profit all of the time. Churches can many times be more a place of business or performance rather than a place where people come to praise and worship God and pray and learn about the Bible and the Word of God and having fellowship with each other. We are supposed to bring tithes and offerings to the place of worship we go to, but those need to be used to help people, not to help someone buy themselves luxury vehicles, big houses, and expensive clothing. Here is where the conduct comes in. You can't just go listening to everyone that says that they're speaking on God's behalf. It is necessary to pay attention to what they're actually telling you and how it may benefit them. If they are just telling you what you want to hear. You need to look at what they're doing, how they're living. The love of money is something very prominent in the ministry today, where they are always asking for money and many live a lavish lifestyle at the expense of others. That's an obvious one. Not to pick on anyone, but does Joel Olstein really need to have a net worth of over $40 million and live in a mansion that is worth more than $10 million? Look it up if you doubt me. The internet has a lot of information. And there are quite a lot of people that exploit others within their own scale also. It's a shame, but it's a common problem. And finally, verses 7 through 10 says this. We'll look at these verses together. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, and he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Here is where we see that everything comes back to you. What you put in is what you will get out. And that is why we need to do good works. Everything we do can either count for us or against us. Now, I know that many people 
could worry about being taken advantage of, and it will happen sooner or later. But that's why we have to pray, seek the Lord's direction, but also make sure we keep our intentions true and sincere. Don't let bad people, because they're out there, discourage you from doing what is good and pleasing before the Lord. If we do things as to the Lord, the only thing that really should matter to us is that God is watching and that he's taking note of what we're doing. So whether or not people appreciate what you're doing for them, whether or not some people are taking advantage of you or whatever the case may be, if you are doing things for the Lord, then don't worry about it. He will reward you. And that's all that should really matter to you, right? That's why I do it. So don't lose heart or get discouraged. Always try to remember this for everything that you do. God is watching. The Word of God, God's counsel to mankind is just that, God's advice to us. Like the loving Father He is, He does not leave us to our own devices, that we need to figure out things on our own. We have Him. He can be in our lives, in our hearts, if we ask Him to come in by faith. The Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit comes to live inside our hearts and that He will guide us to all truth and comfort us. And of course, we have the Word of God that teaches us exactly what we should be doing and why. We don't need to guess very much. It's all in there. That is why it is so important to have and develop your own personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So you're able to be led by God and understand for yourself what God does want you to do. What is your purpose in this life? Because absolutely everything counts here. We may not see rewards here and now, but we will definitely see them if we stay the course and remain faithful to the Lord until we see Him face to face someday. That day is coming, and it will probably come sooner than you think, and it is extremely important to be ready for that day. This is what the Bible teaches us as Christians that will happen when we get there. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where it says, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. We need to do what we need to do for the glory of God, for the good of others, and for our own good. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I give you thanks and I praise you, O Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for the instruction of your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord God. Help us, O Lord, Heavenly Father, to be able to look and understand for those things that you want us to do and help us, O Lord, to be able to do them. Help us to understand, Lord God, that you reward faithfulness. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that it is imperative that we always keep in mind that you are watching and that someday we will all give an account for what we do. Heavenly Father, help us to learn how to love you above all things, and help us, O Lord, to know how to love our brother and sister in Christ. I pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, O Lord, that if by any chance there is anyone listening that does not know you yet, that they may come to know you personally as their Lord and Savior, and that they might be able to see for themselves what you are all about. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks and I praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please feel free to join us again next time as we continue looking into God's Word together. If you would like to write to us, you can do so through our website, 
Our web address again is thelatterrain.org. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.